Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, where OP destroys his boss's job, marriage, relationship with his girlfriend, and dreams. Our next Reddit post is from Call Me Swellington. This happened back in the 90s, when fax machines, FedEx, dial-up computing, and voicemail were the most common business tools. I was a young regional sales manager for a major branded consumer product. I oversaw 11 western states. My division worked out of Chicago, and I had a home office on the west coast. I developed a reputation of hitting my quota and keeping costs within budget. I would get reassigned to struggling markets, and more often than not, I would usually make my sales number. It was nothing too fancy, I just figured out where the best opportunities were and I concentrated on them. In those days, we had something called MDF, Market Development Funds, or as we called it, Making Days Fun. This was back in the days before this was illegal. It was money that we could literally use for almost anything you can imagine. Wining and dining clients, sending buyers to the Super Bowl, taking them on market research trips. For example, I once took six hontos for a weekend of fishing in Mexico. As long as you had the receipts and your boss knew about it, except in cases where they specifically asked not to know, we were free to spend the money as we saw fit. This was old school madman style slush funds, and it was all tax deductible. Typically, the MDF money was 2% of your total annual gross sales, and it was use it or lose it. I always had some MDF funds left over, and as a team player, I would let my boss, Sasquatch, know that he could use it. No big deal. Towards the end of the year, my weekly FedEx pack from the company started including sign-offs for payments to a supplier that I'd never heard of before. What was weird is that they were for a demo company that wasn't one of my regional suppliers. If you've ever been offered a sample or a coupon in a grocery store, that's a demo company. I called up a coworker and I found out that we never used that company or even heard of them. I finally figured out that they were from Sasquatch and that he had thrown them in with my other sign-offs. I called him and asked him if he knew what they were. He said they should be assigned to my MDF and not to worry about them. This was a little unusual, but whatever, I signed off on them. Then I was hung out to dry. About three months later, I was called into headquarters for a meeting where I was told that I was being transferred to a market that I'd never worked before and it would require me to relocate. At the time, my wife was pregnant and we just started an extensive remodel of our newly purchased home. This company did have some relocation benefits, but it was just too hectic to pull up roots and move to the southeast. I declined the offer and I was told that I could either look for another job within the company or receive a severance package and I wound up taking the severance package. The truth comes to light. Several months later, one of my ex-coworkers told me that my region had been taken over by one of Sasquatch's past work associates who had replaced me and the region was tanking. Badly. Nothing about this made sense. Why was I fired and then replaced by someone who lived in another city and who couldn't do the job? I started to think that, in my naivete, I may have put a target on my back. After some research and digging, I learned that the company that my boss was billing with my funds was based in my ex-boss's previous city, and it was just a P.O. box, a telephone, and a DBA registered by the new person who took my job. I later found out that the person who replaced me was actually my boss's mistress. I was livid. Like most people, I tend to plan revenge in my head, but never really go through with it. Most of the time, it's just a coping mechanism, and it's not very useful. 
But this was so egregious, so uncalled for, and so disruptive to my life that I felt that I had to get even. A plan evolved to take my boss down. It didn't matter how much time or money this was going to cost me. I was going to get this guy. I could have ratted him out to the company, but they might have dismissed my complaint as coming from a disgruntled ex-employee with an axe to grind. The Hook I decided to approach Sasquatch as a phony corporate headhunter, someone who hires people on for huge jobs. I had spent a year early in my career working for a super exclusive headhunting firm, and I knew exactly what transpired in the process. My subterfuge required international documents, phony letterhead, faked English accents, and overseas friends to do my bidding. Sasquatch was obsessed with expensive watches and golf. He would incessantly chatter on about both subjects. To bait him, I arranged for him to be approached for an executive position with a major Swiss watch company for a position tied to pro golf sponsorships, and I included a shopping list of benefits and prerequisites. The job would require hobnobbing with major sports organizers, flying around the world in first class, and basically just spending money. It was a job that he could only dream of. The Setup In this slow and methodical long con, I strung him along until the time was right to close with an offer. The only catch was that he had to report to Switzerland for final offer and onboarding. I deliberately scheduled this for the week of the old jobs division meetings and reporting. They were mandatory and impossible to miss without raising red flags. Sasquatch was worried that his absence would be impossible to cover, especially if he was out of the country. The headhunting firm said they could move up the appointment a few days, but if they did that, Sasquatch would have to buy his own plane tickets and hotel reservations. But don't worry, just save your receipts because the watch company will reimburse you. Sasquatch showed up to his swanky hotel suite, using his own credit card for the room, by the way, where he promptly received a note from the watch company that his appointment had to be rescheduled for the following Monday because of a major corporate crisis. Sasquatch called the phony recruiter in a panic about missing the corporate meetings back in the States. It was agreed that he would just call in sick and that whatever happened with the old job, he was heading to much greener fairways. The recruiter said to just enjoy your weekend in Europe and by Monday you'll be in your dream job. The Sting While Sasquatch was cooling his jets in Europe, I nonchalantly called his boss, the president of the division, and casually asked for a reference on Sasquatch's work ethic and dates of employment. The president, to his credit, didn't tip his hand or act very surprised by the call, but like a good corporate worker, he referred me to human resources. I let it slip that Sasquatch was in Europe finalizing his new job and that he'd already given the company notice. Whoops! The Aftermath Eventually, I was able to put together the aftermath from old co-workers and other people in the trade. When Monday came and went, Sasquatch must have been apoplectic because we received at least 20 calls to the exchange and multiple faxes. Sasquatch hung around the hotel for a day or two and then finally decided to leave for home. I assume at some point he may have contacted the watch company, but I never confirmed it. When he finally got home, he found that his belongings from his office had been packed up and they'd been left with his wife. An HR person met him off-site to give him a severance and retrieve the car and other company property. I heard that his wife left him sometime later and his mistress was fired for theft. I figured that Sasquatch must have spent at least $10,000 on travel and hotel. Man, OP, that guy woke up on Monday thinking it was going to be the best day of his life, starting his dream job. But he went to sleep that night 
realizing that not only had he been scammed, but also he lost his job. Well, lost his job and about $10,000. Our next Reddit post is from Little Miss Bunny Woman. This took place when I was still a teen fresh out of university working directly under an engineer. The office I was doing my 4,000 hours in occupied five floors of a fairly large office building in Toronto. Well, I was lazy and always picked up lunch from Whole Foods on my way to work, usually sushi. My floor had its own break room and fridge, and for my first six months working there, nothing ever went missing. Until we got a batch of university office interns. Then, wouldn't you know it, lunches would go missing, and it wasn't just my lunch either. Anybody's lunch could go missing, whether there was a name on it or not. Well, after two weeks of our lunches just walking away, we were all getting pissed. One of the engineers came up with an idea, and he asked everyone to throw in a couple of dollars to solve the problem. The following week, he sent a text to the store-bought lunch people to meet in the break room before work, and he sent a text to everyone in the office to not touch any of the packaged lunches. We meet up, and he hands us this little spray bottle to spray the packaging. It was this black light reactive spray that would glow under a black light, but it was completely undetectable. Lunch rolls around, and guess what? Every single packaged lunch was gone. So this engineer brings out the black light and starts looking for fingerprints. He found them on the door down the hall to the elevator. Now imagine five of the nerdiest engineers you've ever seen going down the hallway with a black light, like something out of a discount CSI show. Well, there's fingerprints everywhere, including the elevator button going down to the second floor. As we crept down the hallway, I figured that some of the interns were stealing our lunches, but I was wrong. We followed the fingerprints right to the head of the sales department's desk. We demand to see his hands, and they were glowing like crazy. Not to mention that he had touched his face, so his face was glowing as well. This guy knew that he was caught, and we made an agreement not to go to HR in exchange for him buying us a pizza for the entire floor every Friday for two months. We stayed late that day to print out hundreds of photos of this guy's face with the caption, Dirty, Dirty Lunch Thief. Those damn things went up everywhere. They went up in the bathrooms, the entryways, and we put them on every desk in sight. Needless to say, the lunches stopped going missing, and I was able to eat my sushi in peace. And also, Opie posted a clarification. I don't think I was clear. We took a picture of his face under the black light glowing like he had just left a bukake party and posted the photos all over his office. So, I know I like to say on this channel, never mess with the IT guy, but I think that can also safely apply to the engineers. If you steal from people whose job it is to solve problems for a living, then you're kind of asking for it, right? Our next Reddit post is from DJ Duke of Spook. I did this to an ex who asked me to move out while she was on a work trip, and she told me she was coming back with her new boyfriend. We were still together when she left. I got these little noisemakers, battery-powered ones the size of a quarter that emit sounds at just the right volume that you aren't sure if you really heard it. They were so quiet that two people could be sitting in an average-sized room, and while one person could definitely hear it, the other wouldn't hear a thing. They last ages, and they fit perfectly in light fixtures and in wall outlets. I got a box of 20 of them for like 100 bucks on eBay, and I got creative with them all over her house, her car, and I even hid them in the boat that her father got her. She came from a rich family and grew up sailing. Now, these little bastards make a noise at completely random intervals. Could be minutes, could be hours, could take a whole day off. 
They cycle noises like children laughing, a dying breath, as they called it, a whistle, scratching noises, and some other ones that I can't remember, but you get the idea. They were so unpredictable that it was near impossible for someone to just figure it out. Months go by, and I get a new place and start my life back up. Now, me and my ex have a few friends in common, and one of them I kept up with. One day, as I'm telling this friend about the noisemakers, he starts slowly making this face, like he's gradually losing his sh**. He's got this huge grin on his face, and he asks me, you put these in your ex's room, didn't you? And when I admit it, he starts laughing hysterically. It turns out her new boyfriend had only lasted a few months and had left telling her that he couldn't handle whatever was going on with them in their mental states. It turns out that sometimes they both heard things, and other times only one of them would hear something. This gave them the illusion that something really messed up was going on in their heads at different times. They couldn't figure it out, and eventually, he just won it out completely. It was amazing. I hadn't expected to hear anything back about that prank, but I rode that high for weeks. My ex-girlfriend moved out, told her parents she didn't want the house and to give it to her brother or just sell it, but she wouldn't tell them why. I always tell people who ask about her that I don't hold a grudge, but I don't tell them about the part where I pranked her so bad that she and her boyfriend thought they were going crazy. My wife knows this story by heart because it's her favorite story to tell. Down in the comments, we have this story from Digital Girly. I sent one of those to my BFF who was stationed in Japan. It's called an Anoyotron, sold by ThankGeek. Anywho, he put it in his chief's office on the inside lip of a metal filing cabinet. They have a magnet on them, so you can stick them anywhere. Then my BFF left on a two-week engagement. When he got back, he heard the stories. The chief had IT come in and check all the electronics. He had maintenance come in and check all the appliances. Finally, he lost his mind and started throwing all the furniture out in the hallway in a fit of anger. Only then was he able to rid himself of the infuriating sound. My BFF never told anyone that he did it. OP, this is utterly devious. I imagine for some people, they would probably think that I guess they were being haunted or something. But me, if I could hear something and no one else could hear it, I don't really believe in ghosts. So I think my response would be thinking, okay, well, I guess I'm going insane. If I were in these people's shoes, I would probably go end up like getting a CAT scan or something or going to see a psychologist and being like, okay, I'm hearing voices, no one else can hear them, and I think I'm going crazy. One of the most insidious things that you can do is make someone doubt their own perception because if they can't trust themselves, then what can they trust? Our next Reddit post is from Living Bunch. My sister-in-law came out as a trans woman when she was 18. My wonderful in-laws kicked her out of their house then and there. They told her to leave the house and threw her out at 8pm with no money or even any documents and her father took the car keys from her too. She had to walk 8 miles to get to our place and she was crying when we took her in. This was horrible behavior and my husband and I would have just cut them off if that was all they did, but they doubled down. They refused to hand over any of her documents, so my brother-in-law had to go over and barge into their house to get them. They also took all the money that she had in their joint account. She had saved up $8,000 working part-time all through high school. They took the money and also sold her car, which was in their name. They were trying to ruin her life as much as they could. My father-in-law is a small-time businessman, and his biggest account was supplying my employer. I had helped him get the contract, and it was very lucrative for him. 
My employer was a family business, and they treated long-term employees more like family than employees. I was talking to my boss about what happened, and he told me that if I could find someone within 5% of the price range my father-in-law offered, then they would make the switch. My father-in-law offered us really great rates. He was really great at his job, but he messed up the contract because even though we always bought from him, we weren't obligated to buy from him. We could switch suppliers anytime, but he got complacent and assumed that we wouldn't switch suppliers. It took me six months of painful searching to find a supplier who could replace him and get us great rates. This was not a part of my major duties, and I had to put in way more hours than normal to find a supplier, but when I did find them, I waited for one month before telling my boss. You see, my in-laws had been planning to do a major renovation for a long time, and it involved tearing down a major portion of their house. I waited until the renovation work had truly started before informing my boss. We started getting supplies from the new supplier the next month. The lost revenue crushed his business. It screwed up his unit economics, and he had to scramble to find new customers. They ended up having to sell their house to save the business, and they did not get a good rate for it because the house was well half-torn down when they sold it. My in-laws did try to get money from my brother-in-law, but he told them to screw off. My father-in-law is a decent businessman, and he did crawl his way out of the hole they dug for themselves, but even eight years later, they still haven't bought a new house. I have heard that they're still sour about what happened. But I mean, I was just doing my job, and if they hadn't kicked out their own daughter, then they would still have their house. So as a new father, I, I mean, even before I was a father, I never really understood why parents will love a child for 18 years, however many years, and then just one day be like, oh, well, you think X instead of Y? Well, I don't ever want to see you again, blah, 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 whatever. And now that I'm a father, it's, it's amplified because, like, so? So what if my daughter thinks that she's a boy? Or what if my daughter is into girls. Like, who cares? As long as she's happy, that's what I want at the end of the day is for my daughter to be happy and healthy. So why kick her out? Why is why is your love to your child contingent on them agreeing with you? That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, you can sponsor my podcast to unlock extra episodes. Also, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.